about that this morning because the greatest thing that will happen to you, it will not happen to you, but it will happen through you. We, 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 try, to, we try to get our minds around this as somehow the, the tangible things that we are experiencing in our lives, whether we own a house or the car that we drive or the spouse or the family that we have or the things that we're doing somehow are the sum total of our, our uh, hard work and capacity. And I want to talk to you about hard work and capacity this morning, but I'm talking to you about something greater than that because greatness cannot be defined by what we do in our lives. Greatness cannot be defined by what we do in our lives because if we live long enough, we know that there are seasons where we excel, right? And things are awesome and it's easy to take credit for things in those seasons. But then the next season, maybe, we put just as much effort into, we put even more effort into sometimes, and it seems like the dominoes have been stacked in such a way where the first one tips, and that season it's failure after failure after failure after failure. And it leaves us wondering, where is God's greatness? Where is the greatness that He has for me in this season? And so I want to speak to you about that um, this morning, because there's a sense in our lives um, that we need to that we need to manipulate, that we need to that we need to control outcomes, right? That we need to that we need to influence outcomes in such a way where there's no other option. Have you ever Have you ever tried to do that? I mean, when I when I owned businesses, I would put in 80 hours so that I didn't have to work 40 hours with somebody else telling me what to do, right? That's what they say an entrepreneur is. An entrepreneur is somebody who's willing to work 80 hours, right, to not have a boss when they're working 40 hours. In the reality, it all takes so much investment from us. But God has something more from our lives. I know that raising children, right? Raising children is probably the hardest thing that I've ever done to this date, right? And we're not done yet, so there may be something harder. But uh, you want to you, you want to think that you have a lot of influence. You want to think that you have a lot of control. But then in the end, you realize you don't have a lot of influence or control over their health. You don't have a lot of influence or control over decisions that they make. You try to, you try to protect. You try to seclude in a sense while still pushing them out into the world so that they can begin to live on their own. Because as parents, we're not raising children. We're raising men and women. Amen? We're not, if you're raising a child, you're always going to have a child that acts like a child. But if you're raising a man or a woman, it doesn't matter if they're 5, 15, or 50, they're being trained to act like a man. They're being trained, a woman's being trained, a girl's being trained to act like a woman. I recently read a story about Elon Musk. I don't know if you've heard of Elon Musk. He's the, uh, he's this wild entrepreneur. He, he owns, uh, pioneered SpaceX, uh, Tesla, electric cars, uh, the boring company where they're literally drilling pathways under Los Angeles so that you can drive your car underneath things, right? He's a genius. He has an, a genius IQ. He is absolutely incredible. And I was reading this story not long ago, and it it talked about him sleeping in the Tesla factory to ensure everything went as it should. 
And he was bragging about working 120 hours a week, right? Here he is working 120 hours a week. I think if you do the math, that leaves about seven hours a day that he wasn't working. So he's not sleeping correctly. He's not taking care of himself correctly. But he's celebrating and people are celebrating. Look at all this sacrifice. Look at all this input. But the rest of, I guess, normal people, I think I'm normal, can look at it and say he's not going to be able to sustain that. He's not going to be able to control that. His justification was there's only two car makers in the United States that haven't declared bankruptcy today, Ford and Tesla. And he said, we're the upstart and everybody's against us. So I'm going to I'm going to control things. I'm going to put more in. I'm going to invest more things. But I want to I want to say this to you before we go into God's word this morning, that your influence in your life is not something that you that God's given you so you can control situations. The influence that God's given you in your life, wherever you are, is not something so that you can manipulate marriages, manipulate parenting, manipulate in the workplace, manipulate wherever God has you. But it's something that He's called you. There's a higher level than manipulation. There's a, there's a higher level than wishful thinking, right? There's a higher level than just hoping that God is going to move or there's going to be some kind of favor on what you're doing. And it's scriptural influence. It's biblical influence. And so I want to talk to you this morning about being an influencer. Because an influencer, when you have influence, that's lasting greatness. Listen to me. I'm going to say it one more time. You can apply this to every area of your life. When you have influence, that means that there's lasting greatness. There are people that have influenced us, right? I I spend a lot of time in the Bible. I'm still influenced by Paul's life, right? I'm still influenced by Abraham and the people that followed after God with faith. I'm I'm influenced by what Timothy did and how God used him when he was young, right? I'm influenced, and yet it's been been thousands of years, right, since this was written, but I'm influenced by it. I'm not influenced by their greatness. Uh, Their greatness has become influence in my life, right? They're great because they have lasting influence. And there are things that we do in the world where it's kind of a flash-in-the-pan kind of a thing, Right? That's why I love to watch athletics. I'm not really um, super athletic. I know you would think differently by looking at me, but I'm not, I'm not super athletic. I'm actually sort of super clumsy. And uh, so all of the athletic capacity uh, that my kids have, they must have got from their mom, right? Because I only ran, and anybody can run as long as something's chasing them. But, right, I ran, and uh, Emily played soccer. So, I, I, you know, we didn't know each other then, but she must have been an incredible soccer player, right? Uh, I love to watch my kids. I love to watch them win. I love to watch them lose. You say, what do you, what do you mean you love to watch them lose? I love to just watch them. Because I love to watch what God's doing in their life. Because God's always doing something in our life that we don't always know that He's doing. But He's always doing something. Like we can attribute God doing something in this season of our life that we see now. But later on we'll look at this season and we'll say, Wow, He was doing that. But really also, and more importantly, He was doing this. Right? Whatever this is. 
And I love the character and the capacity that's being built in my kids as they succeed and as they fail in academics and in athletics because there's something greater, there's something more lasting that's there. I love to watch football. I love to watch football. I don't, I hear about some 40-year-olds playing football, you know, in the fall. I'm not interested in that. I've realized that I'm more injury prone now than I was then, right? And uh, so I'm interested in getting fit, but I'm not interested in in testing those things, right? But I, I don't see people in the NFL playing football into their 50s and into their 60s, right? Really, most of them are done. Uh, they're they're post-peak even in their 30s. And you begin to think, what what's left, right? What's left? They've invested all of these things into this area of their life. And God's given these talents and the, these abilities, but there's a there's a term. There, there's, a, there's a shortness of term that, that exists where they can actually do those things, right? And then they become something else. But my question isn't what, even what talents and abilities has God put into your life? What talents and abilities has God put into my life? But what is the capacity of influence that He's given us? Because even though there's seasons where we can do certain things and then in later seasons maybe we can't do those same things right i remember a few years ago being in the amazon jungle preaching is what i do right i i, I love to i do it five days a week if there was somebody to listen amen and uh i remember being in the amazon jungle uh peruvian basin there and uh the, the, you know, it was a highlight trip for me. I was there for 18 days. In 16 of those days, I preached 37 times. I was just back in Peru a little over a month ago preaching, and I think I preached seven times in five days, and I'm thinking, how did I ever keep the pace that I once did preaching and preaching and getting on a boat and preaching and preaching? And they weren't you know, you don't get there by car or plane. You get there on a river boat, right? And so all day long ministering. I don't know if I could do that again. Some people are like, you could do it. It's in you. I'm not sure it's really in my body at this point. But you know what hasn't changed in my life and what hasn't changed in your life, no matter what season that you're in, no matter whether the dominoes have been stacked and they're tipping in a way where it seems like everything is going wrong or you're in one of those seasons where it's like, I can't do anything but win. I, you know what? I've learned to appreciate both of those seasons because in both of those seasons, my influence hasn't changed. In both of those seasons... It hasn't, it, you know, when I lose, when I'm not doing well, when things, are, when things are dark in my life, my capacity for influence hasn't changed. It might have even got elevated because people want to watch people fail well. I said people want to watch people lose well. It's not, a, it's not a sick thing. It's not a sadistic thing. It's just the idea that we're human and we fall and we lose. And the scripture says that the righteous person falls seven times, but they get back up again. 
I want to speak to you about influence today, but I just wanted to frame influence with this idea that it doesn't matter where you are. Influence is not something that you get to. It's not something that you achieve. It's something that you already have. You're already influencing people whether you understand it or not. You might not even be following Jesus. You're already influencing people whether you understand it or not. Sometimes the same person is influencing some people for evil and some people for good. And we don't understand it because we really only see influence as a platform that we achieve at some point. That as if, as if before we started this church in the Eaton Theater 14 years ago and, and there was no platform for me to stand on that I didn't have influence. I'm telling you, I have had just as much influence capacity then as I do now. I've just begun to understand it more. So I want to say this. I want to say this. Influence, influence uh, is the capacity to change. It's the capacity to change a region. It's a capacity to change a, a room. It's the capacity to change a relationship. That's influence. And it starts in relationships. Think about it like this. Think about in this room. Man, I thank God for the heat in this room today. I do not like the cold. This Michigan boy is, this, is, this, this Michigan boy isn't a Michigan boy. He's a Florida boy trapped in a Michigan body, right? I love the beach. I love the sunshine. I don't like the snow. I don't like having to wash my car off because it's got salt on it, you know, every day. I don't like I don't like having to go out and warm up my old truck because I don't have keyless start, right? I don't really like anything. And people are like, there's people are writing yesterday about people. Why do people comment that they don't like the snow? And I wanted to write because they don't like the snow, right? We know we live in Michigan, but that no, nobody ever said we had to like everything here. I just really like it here about nine months out of the year. And there's three months where I leave as many times as I can to go to the beach. Amen. Influence Influence is like this. Influence is like that thermostat back there on the wall. Because that thermostat is in here, a temperature can be set that's not the same temperature as everything else. That's influence. That's influence in a room. That's influence in a relationship. That's influence in a, in a region. There can be something, there can be something that's hotter than every other place, right? that's enjoyable, right? That, 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 that becomes like a, a source. It becomes like something that's different than every other place. You understand what I'm saying? Do you know why we put seasoning on food? Because it influences the way that the food tastes. You know why salt and pepper are put onto your mashed potatoes? Because they just taste almost like nothing if there's not butter and sour cream and bacon because it flavors it, right? And you get it stirred all up in there and they influence the, the flavor of them, right? That's the influence that we've been called to right? That's the influence that you were made for. You have influence. Some of us are influencing with bitterness and brokenness. Why? Because we're bitter and broken. You influence with what you have. You season with what you have. Some of us are so hurt, we've, instead of being thermostats, we're thermometers. We're thermometers. And you know what we can tell? We can tell the temperature of everywhere we are. 
right? If we're, we're, if we're, if we're in a crowd of people that are this temperature, when we get around those people, we become that temperature. If we get around people that are hot for what God's doing, right? We become hot for what God's doing. If we get around people that are that are hurting and that are cold and that are angry and that are spiteful and that are we become hurting and cold and spiteful and angry. That's a thermometer, but that's not influence. That's not the influence that God's given us. The influence that God's given us is that we can carry something inside of us that's unchanged. The influence that God has given us as we can carry something in us that's not changeable. Paul said to the church uh, in, uh, in Rome, he said that the, that the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. It's the spirit of God. He was talking to people that had made the choice to follow Christ and be born again. That they had something in them that though they changed, how many of you know you changed? I look in the mirror and I'm like, I changed. My forehead got bigger. I remember Maxine looking at me a couple of years ago in my den and she's looking up at these wedding pictures and you can believe it, you cannot believe it, but I was working out, I was building houses at that time, my arms were as big as my legs are now, I was a big boy, I looked good, I had a full head of blonde hair. I looked like that one guy, people say, uh, from too fast, too furious, whatever. Just the blonde, you know, is everywhere. Now I keep just enough so it looks like I have some, amen? She looked at that picture and she looked at me and she looked at that picture and she looked at me three or four times. And then out of the sweetness of her heart, she said, Daddy, you used to be really handsome. And I want to say this. We change. We change. Circumstances change. But influence is having a hold of the unchangeable thing. And that's the love of God. That's the spirit of God. That's the, the fullness of God. So let me, let me take you through this really quickly today because we want to baptize some people today. Um, go with me to 1 Kings chapter 13. 1 Kings chapter 13. And follow along on the, on the screen if you'd like. And behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel. Say Bethel. It means the house of God. You need to know that. He he went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. You need to know that Jeroboam was the king of Israel at this time. And then he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, behold, a child, Josiah, by name shall be born into the house of David, and you shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and the bone and the and men's bones shall be burned on you. And he gave the sign the same day, saying, This is a sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. Let me stop there. This was not a this was not a good king in the sense that he was following God. I'm sure he did some good things. He wasn't a good king. He wasn't following God. God sent a God sent a prophet to bring the word of the Lord to this leader because how God spoke in the Old Testament was through, through prophets to kings. 
How God speaks to us now is by His Holy Spirit into our hearts. But in this time, in the Old Testament, God spoke from the mouths of prophets to the, to the ears of kings. And He's speaking. And He's saying, things are about to change. Things are about to shift. Things are about to... Things are about to move. Things, are, things haven't been done well. And so then, when we know when God speaks something, He makes good on it. And so it came to pass when Jeroboam heard the saying of the, of the man who cried out against the altar in Bethel, he stretched out his hand from the altar saying, Arrest him! And then his hand, when he stretched it out towards him, withered so that he could not even pull it back to himself. The altar was also split apart, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And then the king answered, and he said to the man of God, Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray with me that my hand may be restored to me. And so the the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him. And as before, the king said to the man of God, Come home with me, refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. Somebody say bribe. People are going to try to bribe your influence. People are going to try to get you to back away from the influence that God gives. If you haven't made a choice to follow Jesus Christ, you're going to have an opportunity at the end of this gathering in just just a few moments to do that. But... I'm guessing, I'm understanding that most of the people here today have made a decision to follow Jesus. And so you have an accountability to the influence that you already have in your life. And people like to try to pull us from a place that we have influence because they want to manipulate it. And it's exactly what the king was doing in this moment. Verse 8, but the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half of your house, I would not go in with you. So he's talking about, that's his household. That's like his kingdom. You want to give me half of your kingdom, king? I'm still not going with you, right? There was, there was something inside of this man at this point where he needed to obey. Let's continue. I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water in this place, for it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall not eat bread nor drink water, nor return by the same way you came. And so he went another way, and he did not return by the, by the way he came to Bethel. It says that he had a, a direction from God. He had a word from God. He had something to obey. You know what we have? We have a word from God. We have a direction. We have something to obey. That becomes the source of influence in our lives. I want to say that one more time. The Holy Spirit in it, in us and the Word of God that we receive inside of us becomes the influence that we carry with us. How do we know if the influence that we carry is God, godly influence? We know it's godly influence if we're ministering, if we're living, if we're in business, if we're, if we're um, 
uh, in sports, if we're engaging life in such a way where it comes from the overflow of what God's put in us, if it's coming from an overflow of wickedness, if it's coming from an uh, emptiness, if it's coming from a, a brokenness, if it's coming from a pain, if it's coming from what we think or what we know, then we know that there's, there's problems with our influence, but if our influence has the right source, somebody say source, Jesus Christ is the source that we need to have for influence. He's what we need to have for influence. Let's continue on this morning. So he went another way and he did not return by the way he came to Bethel. Now an old prophet, say old prophet, An old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works the man of God had done in Bethel. And they also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. And their father said to them, Which way did he go? For his sons had been seen uh, which way the man of God went who came to Judah. And then he said to his son, Saddle the donkey for me. And so... They saddled the donkey for him, and they rode on it. And after, after the man of God, he rode on it and went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And then he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. And then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you, nor go in with you, neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread, nor drink water here, nor return by going the way that you came. And he said to him, I too am a prophet as you are. And the angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, bring him back with you to your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. And he was lying to him. It says right here in the Bible, he was lying to him. There are, there are things that are going to try to shift your influence in today. There are things that are going to try to redirect the influence that you have. You know, you know who sees your influence more than you see your influence? Well, Jesus does. He created you. You know who else sees your influence more than you see your influence many times? The Bible says that there's an enemy that is, that is roaming the earth to and fro looking for who he can devour. He sees your influence. I believe that. I believe he sees what God created you to be. I believe that's the reason why he attacks so many times over and over again relentlessly against people because he sees the influence. He sees where we're supposed to be. You have, a, you have a capacity for influence. You need to understand you have a capacity for influence. And it's that capacity. You say, I, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. When, I, when, when things are against me, boy, things are against me. I don't really have seasons or, or moments where things are just a little bit against me, right? When I'm under attack, boy, I get under attack. When things are against me, they are against me. It'll be felt in my health. It'll be felt in relationships. It'll be felt in things all around me. It'll be felt in me. It'll be, you know, and I realize that this is something that needs to be resisted because the scripture says if we resist the enemy's attack, that the devil will flee. Amen. Somebody say amen. So I want to I I I I kind of finish up with saying this. 
The last thing that you have to understand with influence is that you cannot maintain influence without integrity. You cannot maintain influence without integrity. There are people that have influence and they will maintain it for a season up here, right? Because they can sweep things into the closet of their lives, brokenness. They can keep up a facade. They can keep everything going on the outside. But I'm talking about business people. I'm talking about preachers just like me. I'm talking about all kinds of people. I'm, I'm talking about moms and dads. You realize that your, your children, your children are the greatest disciples that you'll have as a follower of Jesus. I'm talking about the Bible says, train up a child in the way that they should go and they will not depart from it. But you know what? They're going to do more what you do than they are what you say. I said they're going to do, they're going to follow more of what they see you do than they are going to do more of what you say. And there's discrepancies in every single one of our lives in this place. I'm talking about me too. There are inconsistencies, right? I'll say one thing, somebody will see me do a little bit of another, right? I'll deal with things. I'm human, right? The same things that people struggle with, other people struggle with, right? And and so what I want to talk to you about is integrity. And we have to guard our influence. Let's continue on, finish up this passage here. Verse 19, so he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. And now it happened as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. And and he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which your Lord God commanded you. But you came back and ate bread and drank water in in the place which the Lord told you, eat no bread and drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. Wait, wait a minute. I know something like this. I know something like this. Because the, because the enemy is always looking for somebody he can grab onto. He'll, he'll grab onto me with something. He'll pull me into it. I'll get into it for a minute. And then all of a sudden, he'll begin to agree with what God said that I already knew. He lied to me from that place the whole time. But as soon as I get there, condemnation is on me. Not condemnation that God put there. Condemnation because of my disobedience that I was tricked into. I want to tell you this morning, there's integrity that God has for us to live in. Let me, let me finish this story up. So it was after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled the donkey for him. And the prophet from whom he had brought back, he was gone. And a lion, say lion, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his corpse was thrown on the road and the donkey stood by it. And the lion also stood by the corpse. And there men passed by and saw the corpse thrown on the road and the lion standing by the corpse. And then they went and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. You can finish reading that chapter this afternoon I'm going to stop right there there's more to that story but I'm going to stop right there because I want to tell you this we got to guard our influence we got to there, there, there's, there, there's, there's 
lions roaming around. We've got we've to learn to guard our influence. Dads, I'm speaking to you. We've got to learn to guard our influence. The way, the, way that, the way that you treat mom is the way that they'll treat women. We've got to guard our influence. The things that you'll allow yourself to say the things that you'll allow yourself to do. Listen to me, moms. You don't get off the hook because the way you treat men is the way your sons will, will understand their value. Listen to me. You could have had a bitter experience with someone, right? You could still be bitter about it today. But whatever those things you're saying about that father, the son's taking those same things onto them. If she thinks this about him, she must think this about me. God wanting to bring wholeness, right? He's wanted to heal hearts. He's wanting to, he's wanting to change us so that we can guard our influence. Let me just say this. Just because it's allowable for you, doesn't mean it's beneficial. Paul says that. It's right from the Word. Just because it's allowable doesn't mean it's beneficial. What does that mean? Well, it means, it's, it means just because you're allowed to do it doesn't mean it's benefiting you. It doesn't mean it's benefiting your body. It doesn't mean it's benefiting uh, your relationships. It doesn't mean it's benefiting, are you listening, your integrity. There are things that the Bible allows us to do that I don't do because I don't need to do them, right? People are always trying to put the dividing line. They want me to put it there for them. Pastor, how much can we drink and not be drunk? Where's the allowance? Where's the allowable? Say, I don't draw lines. The Holy Spirit draws lines in people's hearts. Pastor, we're still struggling with this thing. We're still doing these things. Listen to me. If it's, if it's stealing from your influence, you don't need to do it, right? It, just because you have an excuse for it, just because you have an allowance for it, doesn't mean it's beneficial. I want to say this. I want to say this to parents and grandparents before I close. Would your children have a better chance of being saved and following Christ if you were not their parent or grandparent? Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Are you tracking? If, if your kids weren't your kids, but they were someone else's kids, would they have a better chance? You say, I don't know if that's fair. Just listen to me. If the people you're around, if God's put you in the place where you are. Some of us are in seasons today that we never wanted to be in, right? We're in seasons today. People will listen to this recording and they'll be in the hospital. They'll be sick. They'll be broken. People will have cancer and they'll, they've never chose to be in that situation. I remember two years ago, two and a half now, um, I had two massive strokes and nearly died. One, I was in Kona, Hawaii, teaching at a Bible school there. The other, I was right here at home. They rushed me to Sparrow Hospital. They figured out what was going on. I was on the 10th floor of Sparrow Hospital in the neurointensive care unit. You can't, there's no other floor. It's the highest floor. It's the most escalated place you could be in that hospital. They gave me less than a 10% chance of living. They told me I was going to have 
months and months, if not years, of rehabilitation to be able to walk, to be able to use my hands. It had completely devastated my brain and my body physically to do anything. And uh, I remember in that moment wondering, why am I here in this hospital? And probably for a moment, I don't remember, probably for a moment, I wondered if I should start feeling sorry for myself because other people were feeling sorry for me, right? There was overseers of our church preparing to fly in. There was people thinking, I wonder what his funeral will be like, right? There was people thinking these thoughts. There's people around me. Emily was a wonderful person to have with me, but I remember one day watching her look at me and say, you do not leave me with these five kids to raise by myself. Thinking, I don't have a choice. The end of that story is, Jesus raised me up out of that hospital bed, miraculously was able to walk out of that hospital when they told her three days before he might not ever walk again. And I walked out, not under my own power, but under the power of God. But I want to say this. While I was in that hospital, there's one thing that I do remember. There's a lot of things that I don't remember. I remember the three people that I was able to share God's love with and lead them to Christ. I remember the other people that I can't even count that I said, can I pray with you? Can I pray with you? And even with slurred speech, I would see the power of God touch their life. So I know this, even if we didn't choose the circumstance, even if we didn't choose the job that we're doing or the hospital bed that we're laying in or the, or the, the, or the place where, where many people wake up understanding that they've made a whole list of mistakes, a whole laundry list. And they're like, if I just would have known what I know now, if I would, if I would have just known then what I know now, I wouldn't be in this mess. You know what? God wants to use the mess that you're in. He wants to use the place that you're in. You don't need, you don't need some kind of fancy platform form in your life to be able to have influence. He wants you to be able to influence the people around you. But you have to understand it comes from a source. The only good source is Jesus Christ. You have to understand that God's given you a capacity. He gives capacity for influence, not platforms for influence. We think, well, one day I'll have influence. No, today you have influence. And you'll have it tomorrow. And in different seasons of your life, you'll see God put you in different places so that he can shine his glory and his hope and his love through you. But he wants to do it in you first. He wants to do it in you first. And there's, a, there's, a, there's an integrity is the last thing that I'm reminding you. There's an integrity that we have to walk in. Maybe your integrity has been marred, right? Maybe you realize today, I'm not walking in the integrity I'm supposed to be walking in. I don't have the, I don't have the, by the way, I don't have the, I don't have the hope. I don't have the source of Jesus Christ. Hi, this is Pastor Andy Shaver, and I hope you've enjoyed this message. You know, the greatest joy of our ministry here is to see people encounter God in a relevant way and discover his plans and purposes for their lives. We exist to see their eternities altered through a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, you can have present and eternal peace no matter what your present circumstances are. In fact, Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 that he has a heart for the hurting and the broken. 
The Bible teaches us in the book of Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 teaches us that if we confess our sins to him, Jesus is faithful to hear us and forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. If you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior, then I want to invite you to do that right now. Until next time, remember God loves you and so do we.